RTHK, the news at 11 with Andrew Shirovsky. Tonight's headlines, Beijing warns of possible countermeasures as more countries require travelers from China to submit a negative PCR test result. A medical expert moves to allay fears that the reopening of the border with the mainland might increase the risk of coronavirus outbreaks in the SAR. And pharmacies say fever and pain relief drugs are getting harder to find because people are buying up stocks for the mainland. From Sunday, travelers from Hong Kong heading for South Korea will have to submit a negative PCR test result, with foreign countries announcing COVID testing requirements for people coming from China. Beijing says it could take countermeasures, as Priscilla Ng reports. The United States, France and Japan are among countries requiring travelers from China to show a negative test result before arrival. Again, the foreign ministry in Beijing expressed its disapproval. Spokeswoman Mao Ning told a regular briefing that entry restrictions targeting Chinese nationals lack scientific basis and are unacceptable. She warned that China could take countermeasures based on the principle of reciprocity. Meanwhile, South Korea's health authorities say it will impose mandatory COVID-19 tests on travelers from Hong Kong and Macau. From Sunday, visitors will have to submit a negative PCR test result. Chief Secretary Eric Chan described moves by countries requiring COVID tests for travelers from Hong Kong as unnecessary and inappropriate. He's written to the consuls generals of those countries to express the SAR's concern. Health officials have reported 16,186 new COVID-19 cases, of which 324 were imported. 75 more patients with COVID have died. A medical expert says the reopening of the border with the mainland will not increase the level of risk from future COVID-19 outbreaks in Hong Kong as long as the dominant variants on each side are the same. Professor Leo Poon, head of the University of Hong Kong's Division of Public Health Laboratory Sciences, said that even if some mainland visitors are infected with the coronavirus, this need, need not be a concern, cause for concern as data so far showed nothing out of the ordinary in terms of of strains were being carried. We are already seeing around 20,000 new local infections per day. The virus is already widely spread here. As long as the strains carried by mainland visitors are the same as the ones that are dominant overseas or locally, the risk won't be too big. Fever and pain relief drugs are getting harder to find. Some pharmacy staff tell us more about the situation. Many people come to buy Panadol, but we run out of stock. We don't have Fortune Caltolin or other drugs for common cold. Some say supplies will arrive after the Lunar New Year, but I can't say for sure. Now we mainly sell Chinese medicine. Many people come to get traditional herbal medicine. People are snapping up drugs because of the COVID situation on the mainland. We are getting fewer stocks from the distributors too. Most people are buying medicine for their relatives on the mainland. The financial secretary says Hong Kong's economic momentum is in full swing. Paul Chan says more will be done this year to keep things going, as Kelly Yu reports. Writing in the Ta Kung Pao newspaper, the financial secretary held the SAR's unique position as a gateway connecting the mainland with international markets. Paul Chan says it will act as a firewall and testing ground for the opening of the mainland market. 
He wrote, as an international financial center, Hong Kong has very robust and mature fintech ecosystem and infrastructure. In the future, we will strive to boost innovative technology developments while also controlling the risks. Mr. Chen says the government will do more to boost the city's economic momentum in 2023, such as organizing another global financial summit in November that will be bigger than the last one. The finance chief also expressed confidence that the city will be able to attract more enterprises with the launch of the Talents Service Unit online platform, which aims to lure global talent. He also pledged to speed up land supply, saying the Northern Metropolis plan and the Artificial Islands project could provide ample housing supply for the people of Hong Kong. And the weather, mainly cloudy, cool with one or two rain patches tonight and tomorrow morning, and a minimum temperature of around 16 degrees, sunny intervals, and a high of about 20 degrees. Moderate northerly winds becoming east to northeasterlies tomorrow, strengthening gradually. The outlook, sunny periods in the next few days, and it will be mainly cloudy with one or two two rain patches early next week. Currently, the temperature at the observatory is 17 degrees Celsius. The relative humidity is 73%. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. The High Court has ordered the Education Bureau to pay nearly $70,000 with interest to a teacher who lost her job offer because of an error in the recruitment procedure. The decision not to hire the teacher was described by the judge as unlawful and unreasonable. Violet Wong reports. The High Court heard that Winnie Tong had received a professional offer for a native-speaking English teacher position after applying directly with Fukuang Street Government Primary School in 2021. But the offer was rescinded after the Education Bureau informed the school that under a government policy, it could only consider applicants passed on from the Bureau. Judge Russell Coleman earlier called the decision not to hire Ms. Tong unlawful and unreasonable. She had asked for a damage payment totaling over $16 million, including nearly $11 million in loss of future earnings, as well as another $3 million in compensation for the emotional stress she had gone through. Justice Coleman ordered the Education Bureau to pay her $695,000 with interest. The judge said in his decision that she should only be compensated for the loss of earnings over a two-year contract period, along with a teacher registration fee that she had already paid. Justice Coleman noted that Ms. Tong had failed to provide medical evidence to prove that the incident had affected her emotional health. In response, the Education Bureau said it respects the decision of the court and will consult legal advice before considering if any follow-up action is needed. A study has found that up to 26 billion pieces of microplastics are being discharged into the ocean by sewage treatment facilities every day, seriously damaging the local marine ecosystem. The City University said large amounts of microplastics, fragments of plastic shorter than 5 millimeters, are still being discharged into the ocean even after the treatment process removes most of the pollutant from the water. The study conducted last year found that storm drains are also discharging microplastics into the ocean. The university's professor, Kenneth Long, says while the government should create treatment facilities to filter drain water, the public can also do their part to improve the situation. As we find that the dominant form of microplastic is microfibers associated with laundry. So I think everyone can do at home is by putting a filter system, simple laundry bed, at the end of the discharge pipe from the washing machine. 
those can remove a lot of microplastic already before the water being discharged into this sewage system. The Federation of Trade Unions say passenger numbers for a proposed rail link in Kowloon East may not meet expectations unless it is extended to Lam Tin or Yao Tong. The government has recommended building an elevated trackless system connecting Choi Hung and Bo Tan in Sama Ping instead of an MTR line proposed earlier. But Henry Jung, chairman of the Association of Hong Kong Railway Transport Professionals, says a new rail link should extend beyond Bo Tan, allowing commuters to transfer to other lines. I think the most obvious one would be to Yao Tong or Lam Tin, where they can get on either the Chiang Kuan-o line across harbour or get on Kun Tong line all the way to Chim Sa Choi or the other business districts. That is a two-way connection and that would alleviate the problem of one direction traffic. Turning overseas, Palestinians and several Arab countries have condemned as a provocation the visit by Israel's new far-right security minister to the Al-Aqsa compound in Jerusalem. A Palestinian official said they'd hold the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu responsible for the early morning visit by Itamar Ben-Gavir to a site sacred to both Muslims and Jews. From Jerusalem, here's the BBC's Yolanda Nell. Itamar Ben-Gavir spent 15 minutes in the compound early this morning. He was escorted by Israeli security forces and joined by members of a religious group who encouraged Jews to visit the disputed site. The third holiest place in Islam is also the holiest place in Judaism, although only Muslims are permitted to worship there. Mr. Ben-Gavir, a religious nationalist, has repeatedly said that he wants to change the rules. However, agreements signed by the Israeli coalition parties specify that the status quo at the holy places will be left intact. Palestinian leaders warned the visit raised tensions and could lead to violence. The U.S. said actions threatening Jerusalem's status quo were unacceptable and there was condemnation from Israel's regional allies. Ukraine's security service has, for the first time, declared two Russian military commanders formal suspects in crimes related to the bombing of civilian targets. Here's the BBC's Danny Eberhardt. The move is a symbolic one, given that there's no imminent prospect of bringing Russian suspects to justice unless they're captured. But it underlines that Ukraine is serious about pursuing accountability. General Kabilash is accused of targeting residential buildings, hospitals and critical infrastructure with missile strikes, following instructions by Russia's top leaders. Admiral Osipov is said to have ordered strikes on densely populated areas before he was relieved of command in August, following humiliations such as the sinking of the Black Sea Fleet's flagship, the Moskva. It'll be up to the courts to decide if they're charged under Ukrainian law. Meanwhile, Russian politicians have said military commanders should be held to account for the deaths of dozens of soldiers in a Ukrainian rocket strike. Some lawmakers have questioned why troops were concentrated in an unprotected building near the front line, where ammunition may also have been stored. One senator said it was clear that intelligence and air defense had failed. Moscow says 63 servicemen were killed in the strike in Makivka, but some Russian military Military bloggers said the number was much higher. Automated delivery robots are to be allowed on public roads in Japan from April under revised traffic laws. It's hoped that machines will aid in overcoming Japan's chronic labor shortage. Here's the BBC's Will Leonardo. 
In recent months, there have been a series of trials across Japan of delivery robots transporting everything from food to parcels. The machines move at the pace of a brisk adult walk and are equipped with cameras and traffic light detection systems to avoid collisions. Updated laws mean they'll now be able to ply their trade along Japan's often narrow city streets while being monitored remotely by humans. One company involved in the trial says it eventually hopes one person can oversee 10 working robots. That's good news for the Japanese government, trying to deal with a shortage of workers especially in the logistics industry. Recent surveys suggest more than half of all Japanese firms are unable to find enough full-time employees. Buffalo Bills defensive back Damar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest and collapsed on the field on NFL's Monday Night Football. The 24-year-old second-year player is in critical condition in hospital. Hamlin was injured after making a tackle in the first quarter of the game against the Cincinnati Bengals. The game was later suspended. What happened to Hamlin sparked an outpouring of well-wishing from fans, commentators, and other athletes, including NBA superstar LeBron James. Uh, the safety of our of players in, in all sports is always the most important. So, um, you know, it's a, it was a terrible thing to see, um, and, and I wish... Uh, um, you know, nothing but the best for that kid, um, uh, for the city uh, of Buffalo, for the franchise of the Bills, um, and like I said, for the rest of the NFL too as well, and also the Bengals that was there, um, and, you know, playing in that game. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the NFL. I'm a huge fan of football. And, you know, you, you never want to see anything like that happen. Star Cleveland guard Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points for the Cavaliers against the Chicago Bulls. That's the eighth most in NBA history and the highest in 17 years. The Cavs rallied from 21 points down to beat the Bulls 145 to 134 in overtime. Pele's funeral procession is underway in the Brazilian city of Santos. Thousands of mourners have lined the streets to see his coffin draped in the Brazilian flag being driven past on top of a fire engine. Officers from Brazil's Presidential Guard carried the casket from the stadium where Pele began his career. The BBC's Katie Watson is there. It's humbling. You know, for me, not only did I do that, but I did it in an effort where we there's a big supporters group. They've been dancing samba, playing the drums, waving flags, many with the number 10 shirt that Pele made so famous. And they're expected to accompany the coffin through the streets. But this is a moment of mourning, but it's also a moment of celebration and remembering this man that so many people called the king of football here in Brazil. Pele's old club Santos said more than 230,000 people attended his wake. Tennis and Novak Djokovic swept to victory in his first singles match on Australian soil since being deported a year ago, crushing Constant Lestian in, at the Adelaide International to kickstart his bid for another Grand Slam title. The Serbian superstar was given a warm welcome when he played a losing doubles class yesterday and received similar treatment on a packed center court today. He beat the Frenchman comfortably, 6-3, 6-2 in 74 minutes, breaking once in the first set and twice in the second. The ban was lifted in November, allowing him a chance to win an unprecedented 10th Australian Open crown at Melbourne Park later this month. That's the news, sports and weather from RTHK. Radio Heavenly shades of night are falling It's twilight time Out of the mist your voice is calling It's twilight time oh. 
mark the end of day I'll hear you, my dear, at twilight time Tuesday night, and if this is the first time you're tuning in this year, a very happy new year to you. Thanks for joining us on Twilight Time. 45 minutes of music to kick back and relax to between now and midnight. Good selection for you tonight, including Ray Anthony, K-Star, Glenn Miller, June Christie, and first up for you tonight, a great sum from the four freshmen. Together, at last, at twilight So oh. 